0: welcome one and all. It's a snowy morning, so some may not be with us because of the roads, but we hope that you feel the warm welcome of God's people, but more than that, of God's spirit, spirit of sonship and daughtership, and of love and acceptance, and in that context, learning. So, Let's join together by singing. Let's sing unto the Lord. So it's an invitation. And I invite you to stand if you're able. some verses from Psalm 86, and our team is going to read part, and then I am going to be the congregation this morning. So, from Psalm 86. Among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All All the nations nations you have have made made will come come and and worship worship before you, Lord. Lord. They will bring glory to your name.
1: For For you are are great great
0: and do do marvelous marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Now you can take your hymn books and turn to number 83. Number 83. Lord, we praise you. Let's pray together a confession prayer, and I will use the words of Psalm 86 again. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Lord, we confess our distress, our need. We do not have everything that we need in order to fully obey you. You've said that you've given us everything we need, but we don't make use of it or we don't believe it we give in to fear and distraction. And so, Lord, we, we confess these needs. Let's sing, I am weak and I need thy strength. Also, come from Psalm 86. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart, that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. For great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead. I'd like to retell a story in song, so listen to the words.
2: On the journey to Emmaus, with our hearts cold as stone, the one who could have saved us had left stranger
1: again reading mark 14:60 60 to 65 then the high priest stood up before them and asked jesus are you not going to answer what is this testimony that these men are bringing against you but jesus remained silent and gave no answer again the high priest asked him are you the messiah the son of the blessed one i am said jesus and you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one And coming on the clouds of heaven the high priest tore his clothes why do we need any more witnesses he asked you have heard the blasphemy what do you think they all condemned him as worthy of death then some began to spit at him they blindfolded him struck him with their fists and said prophecy and the guards took him and beat him
3: that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he stands over the kingdom of God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. I will, <clears throat> I will read from Acts 9, verses 1 to 6. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He then went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem.
1: Good morning. Boy, that's something out there. I am happy to see you all risking the rain and the slush and the snow and whatever new apocalyptic thing this afternoon has to bring to come out and worship together. And so it's good to see you here. Uh, If you have your... Oh, no, first off, let's bow together and dismiss children to Children's Church. Dear God, we thank you for the little ones in our congregation. We thank you for the teachers that every week lead them in learning more about you. God, we pray that for Children's Church, new things will be taught that will stick with both all their lives. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, and Children's Church down the hall that way. If you have your bulletins on you, uh, you will, let's go over the announcements. Uh, First off, Wednesday, Youth... 7:30 7:30 to 9:30 p.m. at Dawson and Bethany's. So next Sunday, May the first, at 6:30 p.m., there is going to be a hymn sing here at the church, and so uh, I would encourage you to make it on out for that. Uh, then on May the third, there is going to be a congregational meeting. Uh, you should have an email in your inbox already as to the agenda there uh, the two things the first is the discussion on starting a new uh, children's program at the church make sure to read the email it has more details or uh, coroner christine she has some things uh, she has been diligently working uh, towards that as well uh, and the next is going to be uh, elections you can see the positions that are up there which are sunday school superintendent children's church coordinator and the christian ed board chair I would ask you all to, uh, in prayer, uh, see if those are for you or if somebody else's name pops into your mind. So, between now and May the 3rd, in prayer, uh, I would ask you to see if anybody comes to mind for those. And if somebody does, bring it before either David or Tammy, Abe or Susan, or Mark or Laura, and they can get you sorted out. Uh, If you haven't checked yet, uh, your yearbook should also be in your mailbox. Uh, So I'd encourage you to do that. Then moving on to items for prayer. Uh, The first, COVID has been going around our community something fierce. I'm sure that we have all come across a number of people where that is the case. I know I did myself last week. And so uh, let's continue to pray uh, that while it goes around, it is a passing thing. Uh, Next, uh, let's pray for Sheldon and Linda after His sister, Beverly, passed uh, last week. Pray for comfort, uh, and it's a hard time. Uh, Next, congregational meeting. Let's pray for that on May 3rd. There is uh, big decisions to be made there that'll affect how our church looks over the years to come. And so let's make sure to pray there. And also, when I looked outside and saw the rain and the snow and the slush, then this next one popped out to me. Let's pray for Bilal and Fatima because they are finally in Winnipeg and that is such wonderful news but boy is this ever a change from what the weather is in Turkey uh, at the same time so let's keep them in our prayers as well all right so let's now bow a word of prayer dear God we want to come before you today first off thankful for the precipitation thankful that you listened to prayer We have prayed so very much over the last couple years during the drought that rain would come or snow would come, and boy has it. And so I thank you for that. God, I pray that now it melts so that the farmers can get out there as soon as possible. But again, God, we see that you answer prayers and we are thankful for that. And God, we want to pray for our community today. We want to thank you that you are working here in town. We want to thank you that you are working here in this church and in the other churches as well. And as things open up, God, I pray that we will move towards building your kingdom as you want it to be built here in McGregor in ways that we didn't even know were possible before. And we look forward to seeing what you will do. And God, also, at the same time, we know that right now COVID is growing pretty rampant here. And so Lord, we pray for healing. Lord, we pray that the people that it does in fact it'll be out of their system in just a matter of days leaving them no worse for the wear. God, we have seen this happen many times before and so we pray for your healing, Lord. And God, we also want to pray for the congregational meeting that is coming up on May 3rd. Big decisions to be made. And so we pray that you will be the wisdom that we need there. We pray that you will speak into the hearts of the people that are looking to be involved in the Christian ed, in Sunday school. God, we have seen you do it countless times before, and so we look forward to seeing you do it once again. And God, we also want to pray... For Bilal and Fatima, we thank you so very much that after these long years of waiting, these six long years of waiting, they are finally here. And so, God, we pray that this weather is something they acclimatize too quickly. We pray that maybe it'll meet them nicer over the weeks to come and that they will find new spots that will be their spots in the city. We pray they settle in. We also want to pray for Dan and Sandra as they look to care. God, we thank you so much for all that Dan and Sandra have done over the last number of years getting Bilal and Fatima here. And we pray that now as they look to care for them a little while longer that there will be a friendship struck up there that will last a lifetime. And God, we want to pray also for Sheldon and Linda It hurts to lose somebody so quickly, and it hurts to lose a sister. So, Lord, we pray, please be the comfort that they need right now. We pray, please be the comfort that the whole family needs during this time. Please make yourself known. Lord, all of these things we bring before you this morning, we pray them in your name. Amen. Well, Today, we have a special treat. Uh, Terry Smith is here to speak after a long time of trying to get him here. Now, the weather itself couldn't turn him away, and so I am so happy that he is here to share with us today. So I'll ask him up.
4: Thank you uh, for the privilege of being here. My apologies to the leadership and to the church for two other times when I was scheduled, but had to withdraw because of a health concern, a physical health concern. Uh, I was determined to to be here, so I came yesterday. And it reminds me that perhaps the apocryphal story of a, of a um, student minister in wintertime who was supposed to speak at a country church, a Dutch country church. And because of winter weather, he could not get there his normal way, but he noticed that the river was frozen and open, so he put on his skates And he skated down the river. And he noticed the elders were watching him. They thought he was rather ingenious for skating, but they were concerned that he skated on Sunday. They talked to this young man, and they finally decided that he could preach because although he had skated on Sunday, he had not enjoyed it. Today is uh, Orthodox Sunday. Sunday, Easter Sunday in the Orthodox Church calendar, the calendar that many Mennonites who lived in Russia and southern Russia and Ukraine uh, would have used before coming to Canada. So it's appropriate that we, we hear of Easter on Easter Sunday. I confess that I, I, I have a fear as a guest preacher that I've preached a message somewhere before. And one illustration in this message made me, made me wonder. Now, if you've heard this before, you can tell me, but I hope like the second verse of a hymn, you might catch some different nuances than you, than you have previously. I think it's appropriate on Easter Sunday that uh, we, we do pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, and we pray for peace in Ukraine. So as we pray the prayer of illumination, let us also pray for peace in Ukraine. Father, we pray that out of your word, you would strengthen us individually and together here and around your world to the honor and glory of Christ. And Father, we pray for peace in Ukraine. We do not know if it's appropriate to pray that Putin would fall out of bed and bump his head and not get up in the morning. But we do pray that you would infect him with a wisdom that surprises him by desire to work for peace. We pray for the strengthening of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. We pray for, pray for an end to war, that soldiers and weapons would go home, and that people would begin to rebuild. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection from the dead? Paul was an eyewitness of the risen Lord. He knew that Christ indeed has been raised from the dead. He had been a persecutor of the church, an up-and-coming Jewish leader, spun around by an unexpected encounter with the risen Lord. And because of that, Paul challenges some members of the congregation at Corinth who puzzle him. In doing so, he joins together basic Christian facts, a helpfully negative logic, and our wonderful future. First, the basic facts. Paul knows that the heart of our faith is Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And in the first part of Corinthians, he highlights four great facts held by the Christian church then and today. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried He was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and he appeared. Now, to Jewish people of 2,000 years ago who began to follow Jesus, Jesus' death did not make sense. When Jesus spoke of his coming death, Peter told him to stop talking such foolishness. So why do Christians say Jesus was crucified? For the same reason that did Roman leader Tacitus and the Jewish historian Josephus. They said it, we said it, because Jesus was crucified. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the word become flesh. Jesus forgave sins. He healed people and cast out demons. He said he was the judge of human history. And that he would be killed and would be raised on the third day. When the high priest at his trial asked, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. You have heard this blasphemy, he said. Jewish leaders condemned him as worthy of death. Jesus was crucified as a threat to the Roman government and as a blasphemer in Jewish circles. So what then does it mean when God raises Jesus, saying he was unworthy of death? It means God defends him, vindicates him, supports him, says he's innocent. Jesus is who he said he was, the prince of life. When God raised Jesus... Christians had to rethink what the cross meant. Back to the four great facts of our faith. As many pastors and priests have said over the centuries, notice how physical these are. Jesus died for real, not only in appearance, as Gnostics said. Or as Pastor Ed Peters of Burns Lake has said, we don't bury a spirit Jesus was raised and He appeared. At 1 Corinthians 15, written about AD 52 to 55, we have the earliest preserved list of Jesus' resurrection appearances, to Peter, the 12 to 500, to James, to all of the saint, uh, to all of the apostles and to Paul. This li- list is intriguing, partly because of, of James, Paul and the 500. Why James? Well, Dr. Ed Newfeld, a professor at Providence Seminary, suggests that as the Lord's brother, James was worthy of a separate visit. When Jesus began his ministry, his family thought he was beside himself. Mark 3. Evidently, Mary had not raised her children to know of Jesus' identity And perhaps this was wise. When Jacob said that Joseph was his favorite, his brothers wanted to kill him and sold him into slavery. Though confused for a time about Jesus, James became an early church leader, as we read in the book of Acts. Then there's Paul, who put himself on the list of eyewitnesses, although he felt untimely born. What does untimely born mean? Well, David Garland suggests it could mean that Paul saw himself as an aborted fetus or a monster. Why? He had persecuted the church. Some people say Christians believe only what we want or that Jesus only appeared to believers. However, Scripture shows that the the disciples were tough to convince. And James And Paul became believers only after Jesus appeared to them. By Paul's testimony, he was confronted by Christ before he believed in him. In the same way, Paul says, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. They were eyewitnesses, many still alive. And as A.M. Hunter, the Scottish scholar and others have said down through the centuries, this is Paul's way of saying, if you don't think Jesus was raised, go talk to these people. Look them in the eye and decide if they are telling you the truth. Paul knew they were telling the truth. He had seen the risen Lord. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11, Paul stresses two realities. There is a basic gospel to declare, and the apostles are united on it. He passes on what he had received. And no matter which apostle preaches, it is the same message. These basic Christian truths, Jesus crucified, buried, raised, and appeared, unite the church They are earlier than being Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, Protestant or Anabaptist or Evangelical, and they unite us. What is the church at Corinth and what are we as the church of today to do with this gospel? We are to proclaim it, stand for it, be saved by it, hold on to it. So why then does Paul bring in the possibility of having believed in vain? Well, perhaps you've heard or read this idea, as I have. Even if there is no life after death, being a Christian is the right way to live. And some people go on and say, Well, because I'm a Christian, I live a moral life, I treat others well, and give some money to the poor. This isn't a bad life, even if Jesus wasn't raised. Does this make sense? As Christian commentators, such as, again, Dr. Ed Newfeld from Providence and others, and members grapple with this question, we need to come to face the opinion of Paul, something Dr. Neufeld reminded or told us in a class in Corinthians at seminary. You see, Paul says, if Christ cannot take us beyond the grave, we are foolish to follow him. If only we in this life have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. In other words, if Christ is not raised from the dead, no, 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 it does not make sense to follow him. Paul says that if Jesus wasn't raised on Easter Sunday, following him is a waste of time. It is in vain. Christian leaders remind us that Paul's sacrifices only make sense if Jesus was raised from the dead. Paul chose to be single as a Jewish leader. Uh, My wife, Marianne, disagrees. She says that Paul was married, but his wife couldn't stand to live with him. He had a thorn in the flesh, and he was a thorn in the flesh. I think he was single. And he continued to be single as an apostle. He gave up on having a wife and children in order to focus on Jesus Christ. He worked as a tent maker to provide for himself rather than rely on the church at Corinth, which he had founded. For about 20 years, Paul had suffered in in different ways, including physical torture. He had endured times of hunger, sometimes wore ragged clothing. He lived with a thorn or, as Garland suggests, a stake in the flesh. And he carried the weight of the church. If we glance ahead at 2 Corinthians Commentators say that, that some members in the church at Corinth looked down on Paul, and there were several reasons. His physical appearance didn't oppress them, he likely had eye trouble. They didn't appreciate his speaking, he didn't sound like a Greek orator. And they, he refused to be financially supported by the church he had started, and evidently some members in Corinth thought the value of what was taught was indicated by the price of the lessons. If Paul charges nothing, what is his teaching worth? Paul suffered for the church, he also suffered because of the church. And if Jesus didn't actually come back to physical life on Easter morning, Paul's efforts were in vain. By reminding the Corinthians of the great facts of their faith, Paul prepares them to look at their great future. To help them, though, he must confront some of them because of what they are denying. And here, Paul uses excellent negative logic. Were they denying the afterlife, life after death? Maybe, but not necessarily. It's true that some Greeks and Romans did not believe in an afterlife. Some of the rich and the philosophers did believe in an afterlife. Common people, though, often saw death as the end. What does R.I.P. mean on a gravestone? Rest in peace. In Paul's time, I've read, there was an inscription at, at grave sites, and it went like this. I was not. I was. I am not. I am free from wants. Or, I was not, I was, I am not, I care not. Not rest in peace, just the end. However, it seems that uh, these Corinthians believed in an afterlife. They believed that Jesus was physically raised from the dead. What bothered some of them was the idea that they would be physically raised. It seemed too dirty, too earthy, too coarse. They preferred the Greek idea that the afterlife was for the spirit only. So they separated what happened to Jesus from what will happen to them. Paul, though, will not separate Christ's physical resurrection from what happens to physical believers in Christ. What happens to Christ happens to those in Christ... If no physical resurrection fits into your plans, Paul says, think again. To shock them, Paul uses negative thinking that seems strange, but is ultimately encouraging. It is shocking. He starts by saying that if there is no resurrection, Christ has not been raised. And he ends by saying that if Christ wasn't raised, all Christians are in miserable shape. Notice Paul is repetitive. He keeps saying, if, 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 because he wants them to think. If there is no resurrection, Christ is not raised. If Christ is not raised, our preaching and faith are futile. If Christ is not raised, those who preach Christ are false witnesses before God and people because God did not raise Jesus. If Christ is not raised, you are still in your sins. If Christ is not raised, those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost asleep is a gentle way of describing how the body without the soul appears to us yet if Jesus has not been raised Christians who think they safely fall asleep in him at that moment actually perish they are lost paul ends by saying If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. If Christ is not raised, people do not need to feel the anger or hatred that perhaps Paul had when he persecuted the church. If we were forced to stand together in the middle of the sanctuary and we were surrounded by a crowd of non-Christians of various backgrounds... Paul says that they do not need to feel scorn, arrogance, contempt, or glee. The only feeling we would deserve is pity, because Christ is dead and we will not live in him. Paul says that even God won't defend us, because we have been false witnesses. If Christ was not raised on Easter morning, then Christian missionaries, their parents and siblings, their ascending churches and the wider church have sacrificed being a part for nothing. They have spent time, prayer, and money for no eternal good. Every Christian has been fooled and is foolish. Yet Christ believes the very opposite of her. Paul believes the very opposite of this. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Verse 20. He has seen a risen Lord. And it is precisely because Christ was raised that sacrifices by Paul and the other apostles. And the sacrifices that we make today do make sense. The great facts of our faith are Real. The early eyewitnesses actually saw our risen Lord, and the suffering of Paul for Christ was wise, not foolish, and our suffering for Christ is wise also. So, why does Paul stress the physical link between Christ and the Corinthians? I suggest it's partly because he wants the church to see what he sees a connection between the great facts about Christ and our great future when Jesus will rule on earth and in heaven. I suggest that Paul is challenging the Corinthians. If some in the church cannot find room for their own physical bodies to continue in God's future, how will they picture a future where God brings life to people and planet? When Christ was physically raised, it changes what we are to expect in the future. What we have to look forward to includes more than our souls going to heaven. Look at our future again from 15, 24 to 27. Then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Everything will be subject to him. Death will be defeated. Yet also overcome are all rulers, all dominion, authority, and power. They will be subject to Jesus. This is spiritual and physical, Demons and kings must bow. This involves heaven and earth. Salvation in Christ involves more than some of our summary statements of individual sin, conscience, and a desire for immortality, or victory over sin, Satan, and death. I. Howard Marshall says, and I quote, Paul develops the thought that the resurrection of Christ is the first stage in the process of bringing life to the world and conquering the power of death and all that is opposed to God, end quote. Christian teaching of salvation is more than spiritual, more than individuals. Martin Luther wrote a small catechism in which he explained the Lord's Prayer, and in that, He reminds us, give us this day our daily bread. And he says that bread represents all of our human needs, personal needs, needs for family, in relationships, in politics, even environmental good weather. And similarly, Christ's bodily resurrection represents and involves all that is yet to be redeemed on earth and in heaven. May your kingdom come Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Link together these two sentences. Some evangelicals tend to separate the physical and the spiritual. Earth and heaven, body and spirit. Some talk of heaven and disregard Christ's kingdom coming to the earth. Excuse me. Some of us do not speak enough about a new heaven and a new earth. We are evangelicals. We believe in the good news. The good news involves Jesus' healing of people and planet. What did the Apostle Peter say shortly after Jesus' resurrection? In Acts 3, he speaks of Jesus being crucified, being raised from the dead and taken to heaven... And then he says in Acts 3, 21, he must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. What does Peter mean? Well, part of it becomes clearer from 2 Peter 3, 13, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. Righteousness. In this ugly time in human history, we can take hope from remembering that Peter and Paul stand in the tradition of both Micah and Isaiah who pictured a time when God will settle disputes among nations and nations will no longer train for war. Paul said creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. What God's people share in, wider creation itself benefits from. We have much to anticipate. This means that we are to respect our bodies and this planet. A modern rabbi says that we often quote God's command to fill the earth and to subdue it, to have dominion over it. Yet he says we do well to interpret this by Genesis 2 Where the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. Climate change is a controversial topic. A shifting climate is evidence, however, that we humans, including we Christians, have not found a balance between dominion and care. We live in one of the richest, most stable countries in the world. Earth Day was on Friday. What is our attitude toward caring for our planet and climate change? How does our faith influence our thoughts about physical life and how we picture the future? Some Christians in Corinth did not make the link between Christ's physical raising, their physical being, and God's concern for his physical world. Are we so different? Yet we are to be different as people of hope if, 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 if we reflect on Christ being physically raised from the dead. I close with these words. We believe that Christ was physically raised from the dead. Do we look forward to our being physically raised from the dead? Do we welcome a future for heaven and earth? Paul called on the church Invited the church to do so. And we are invited to do so as well. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For Christ must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. On this Easter Sunday, Father, we thank you for the good news of Christ. Help us through your spirit to live more of it out. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's
0: respond to those facts of our faith. With hymn number 405, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place the resurrected Jesus. 405. And there it is. Thanks for the extra effort, guys.
5: My faith has found a resting place not in advice or grief. I trust the end for me Physician heals the sick, the loss he came to save. For me his precious blood he shed, for me his life he gave. I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died. and
1: say thank you Terry for braving the storm. It was storming yesterday too and also I will be chewing on that one for a long time. There was a lot of good things in there. All right for our benediction we turn to the book of Numbers. May God bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his face and bring you peace. Go now and serve our God.